Welcome to the Three Questions Podcast. We take questions from our church family and do our very best to answer them from a biblical worldview. We get to serve the Lord's Church here locally at Southern Hills Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. Pablo Villa is our pastor of our Spanish-speaking ministry. Jeremy Johnson is our pastor of community and campus life. My name is Daniel Snow, and I get to be pastor of discipleship and young adults. You guys continue to turn in great questions, and just as a reminder of how that can happen, you can go to the website, myshbc.com slash contact, or you could email threequestionspodcast at the website, myshbc.com, and that's with the number three at the beginning, or you could text 505-258-2076, and those questions will always be kept anonymous and uh boys this last weekend was uh the red river red river rivalry which go. does get my tongue twisted <laughs> but uh i think for all three of us it's a good it was weekend. good yeah. it was a great weekend jeremy got to got to be there oh yeah with the crickets and man it was incredible the sooners came out uh punched them in the mouth early got punched in the mouth a little later then yeah. we punched them in the mouth again and then we went ahead and just won the whole thing. And yes, the cotton bowl was infested with crickets. They came up through the cracks of the ground, were crawling on my wife's back and my back. Didn't bother us one bit. We still came out with the W. So. It's kind of a plague almost. Yeah. It literally was. Spiritual warfare. That's in, in right. the Red River Rivalry. Clearly. <laughs> clearly. That is bizarre about uh-huh. the crickets. It is. They say in Texas about every two to five years they have some kind of cricket infestation, but. This year mm. decided that it would land in the Cotton Bowl. Yeah. Just another reason to stay in Oklahoma. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's why you're not a Horns fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I, for time's sake, I think I'm going to save this for next week. But, guys, I'm just going to tell you, I have a new Cracker Barrel story. Oh, man. That um, just gonna... happened this last Sunday night. Leave so. us on that cliffhanger. Yeah, that's so right. It'll keep in. people coming yeah, back. Tune in. It'll keep... <laughs> to be continued. Man, okay. that, that is incredible. I cannot wait. <laughs> Folks, go ahead and subscribe right now. That's right. Click the, the <laughs> bell notification. This is or... what you want to be back for right here. <laughs> Daniel Snow has been back to Cracker Barrel. <laughs> yep. Wow. All right. Here we go. Question number one. Why would people believe the Bible when science has so much evidence? Yeah, I think it's a a great question and one that that a lot of people struggle with, especially I know I struggled with it when I was in high school. Sure. um, Feeling that contradiction or feeling like I was being ridiculed for for holding to the Mm -hmm. Bible. But uh, as I've grown to study this, I've realized there, the Bible and science don't go against each other, but actually go together. Um, as a matter of fact, Ro- uh, Robert Boyle, a scientist, said that a deeper understanding of science is a higher glorification of God. Uh, if science is uh, gaining knowledge uh, or studying for the purpose of gaining knowledge, what should that knowledge be about or for? What's the purpose mm-hmm. of that knowledge it's to know more about the creator. It's to know more about uh, he who has ordered the world into existence. And so this false dichotomy between faith and and science um, doesn't hold together. Uh, It's actually the believer that wants to know more about God that pursues the knowledge of creation in order to worship the creator. Uh, And we see that through several Christian scientists, Galileo Galilei, Robert Boyle, Isaac Newton, John Dalton, Blaise Pascal, 
John Eccles, all famous scientists that were motivated by their love of the creator to study more his craftsmanship. Yeah, that was that was like you said, motivating them to glorify God through these discoveries. And you know, sometimes there's the that whole issue of faith versus evidence kind of a mindset. Mm-hmm. Um and and like you said, that's a false dichotomy or a false division because in reality everyone has faith. That's right. Even the atheist has faith. What I mean is all of us, we are all believing certain things that we can't prove in a laboratory and we weren't there to be an eyewitness. So we all have faith. It's a matter of faith placement. Where are we going to mm-hmm. put that faith? And so um, the Bible and the God of the Bible give us what you could say are the philosophical tools needed to do science. That's right. Um, the Bible gives us the logical reasons to believe that one design should be expected two patterns patterns should be repeated and repeatable and three the human brain should be reliable for reason and logic in a universe that is the result of time and chance in other words an accident really um that doesn't provide the tools for doing science because if that's what the universe is, is basically one big big accident, we don't have any good reason to trust reason, to that's trust right. our own reason, to yeah. trust any thought that would go through our brains mm-hmm. if our brains are just an accident. Um, where the Bible and science seem to me to most directly intersect is in the area of archaeology. Mm. And what's pretty cool to me is that archaeological finds are consistently confirming places yeah. and events that the Bible has recorded all along, and it never goes the other direction. It never goes where yeah. archaeological finds are like, you know what, this really messes up mm-hmm. the Bible. Um, it's always just showing, okay, that's what the Bible told us all along. That's right. Yeah, I can't believe, I, when we went to Israel, that was one of the things that really blew my mind. You've read about these places in God's Word, then you go to Israel and you stand in the exact same places and you're like, okay, well, here's the Sea of Galilee. Like this is really here hmm. or the boat that they excavated out of the bottom hmm. of the, that they're like, Hey, this boat looks like this. This is what would have been. And they pull it out and they carbon date it. They look at it and they're like, Hey, this is the exact same type of boat wow. that God's words talking that's about. Cool. Or you have like a, a city that's been unearthed mm-hmm. or I can't remember the, the, the story, but where they figure out that, you know, people didn't think Pontius Pilate was real. Yeah. And then there's the stone that they find that hmm. actually has his name written on it. That's so out cool. At the where his arena was, and you, you just stand there and you go, well, they didn't even know if this was a real thing, and here's his name written right. on the stone, and yeah. you can't deny that he was really, really who he, right. who he was. And so, hmm. those things really do uh, when you see that in person. Not not that you can't have faith, like you said, that you need to have that faith, but mm-hmm. to be able to see that, okay, my faith was locked in on what God's word says. But when you see these other things, you're like, it just continues to point back that there's truth found in that. Yeah. That's awesome that you got to see those things firsthand. And, and, and like you said, faith doesn't mean, um, faith, faith is faith there were, but it doesn't mean blind faith. That's right. It's not saying, you know, actually this makes no sense, but let's just go with it. Mm -hmm. It's saying, no, actually this is all pointing in a direction. 
Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of having faith in a God that is a God of logic and truth. Uh, sure, there's things we'll never comprehend about God, but God has revealed himself to us. And that's what we see in Romans 1.20, uh, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. God mm -hmm. has revealed himself, and so through the study of science, we, we get to know more about this God in which we believe, a God of logic, of order, a God uh, of original design and creation that still sustains uh, the universe in his hands, uh, which I think is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our observations in science are meant by God to point us to God over and over and over again, which is why... Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims His handiwork. And it, and it goes on just to say, yeah, as we observe, it's meant to point us right. to the one who put it there. Speaking of Psalms 119, I'm leading a Bible study starting this Wednesday night looking <laughs> at Psalms 119. So come on out, kids, and enjoy that wonderful evening at, at 5 p.m. for dinner, 6 p.m. for the Bible study. See, there's even there's even nice little commercials yeah. that, that uh -huh. are inserted. Sponsored by Cracker Barrel. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I do have a question for you guys. Where do you think along the lines did this competition kind of mm. in people's minds come mm. that science and uh, science and religion, God's word, uh, you know, go against each other? I would say I think it was during the Enlightenment. Mm -hmm. Um uh, which was a time period, which I don't have those dates right in front of me, but which was a time period in which, especially in Western culture, yeah. uh, it was beginning to be, there was a shift in just the way in the academic world, which then filtered down to people's everyday lives, the thought process began to be like, you know what? Um, we don't need to think there's anything supernatural. That's right. It's it's what we can see hear, smell, taste, and touch. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's probably when it really started yeah. to take off. That's mm -hmm. good. And, and it motivated that idea of knowledge is the ultimate goal. That's when universities started to create, to be created and, and growing. And sadly enough, right after the Enlightenment, we have some of the most gruesome wars in the history of, right. of our world. And we see that knowledge for knowledge's sake is just not worth it. Uh, knowledge should point to God. It should, it should lead to a worship of God. It's good. It's good. It's really good. Thanks, Jeremy. That was a great, yeah, helpful really question. Um, okay, second question. How do I know what I'm hearing is God's voice and not my thoughts? Yeah, this is a great question and, and important for the Christian life uh, as we navigate daily decisions and we try to do everything for the glory of God as, as God calls us through Paul, uh, through Paul uh, to do. And I think the first thing that we need to do is to compare our thoughts to the Word of God. God has already given us His thoughts. God has already given us His words. And so if our thoughts contradict God's Word, mm -hmm. then they're not from God. Uh, and, and how strongly we feel about it uh, doesn't matter at the end of the day. Yeah. It doesn't matter how strong someone may feel it. God is not calling someone to leave their wife for another woman. Uh, that goes against God's word. So uh, I think we need to base it on scripture. Uh, in, in the high priestly prayer in John 17, 17, Jesus says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think we need to compare our thoughts and our desires to God's word and see if it aligns. 
So, so kind of in a creating a word picture, the word of God is our plumb line. It mm-hmm. is what allows us to know, um, okay, is this in alignment? Then it, maybe it's the Lord giving me direction. Is it out of alignment? Then it's definitely not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know for me personally, I, I think that we should be humble and cautious mm-hmm. with phrases like, the Lord is leading me to, you know, fill in the blank. That's right. Um, even when it's something that's not obvious sin, mm-hmm. um, because uh, I think I think it would be helpful in those kinds of things. Now, especially in in the moment of trying to know God's will, to say the Lord is leading me to do this or that. Maybe after some time has passed and we can look in the rearview mirror, we can mm-hmm. say with a lot more certainty. Yeah, the Lord led me to That's do right. that. In past but tense. In past tense, mm-hmm. yeah. But in the moment, I I think even just the two words, I think, mm. can be a humbling factor of saying, I think maybe the this is what the Lord wants. Yeah. Um, because otherwise, it can turn into kind of a trump card of saying, right. hey, the Lord is leading me to this or that, which kind of makes anyone else, any other Christian in my life, feel like they can't really challenge that yeah. and say, well... Maybe he is, but maybe he's not. Let's talk about it. That's right. Um, and so I think that's just something to be cautious about. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think Scripture points us to to all the bad examples and the bad consequences of when we don't take God's word into account. Uh, we see in Joshua 9.14, Joshua is leading the people, the people of Israel to conquer the promised land. And the Gibeonites show up and they deceive Israel. They they act like they were traveling from really far away. Please have mercy on us. Let's make a treaty. Wear we're shabby good. clothes. Yeah, we're good guys. Please, yeah. we're not from this land. Uh, but but they were they were next door. They were about to go conquer them. Yeah. And in Joshua 9.14, we say that the men of Israel took some of their provisions but did not ask counsel from the Lord. And in just a few verses, Joshua goes, why did you deceive us? He's like, well, you didn't ask the counsel of the Lord. You were deceived because you tried to do things on your own. Uh, Judges, which is a constant loop of leaving the Lord, Mm -hmm. starts with a new generation that raises up that did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. So it's a generation that ignored who God is and what he's taught them. And so Judges ends with the infamous words, in those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. They they got away from the Lord because they stopped studying the Lord. And then for Samuel 3.1, we all know Samuel's call, right? Here I am. But he goes to talk to Eli because he doesn't recognize the word of God. Well, in 3.1 we see, now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. So it's going to be really hard for us to recognize the will of God and recognize um, God's word if we don't study it and are not familiar with it. Uh, Paul calls us in Romans 12, 2, to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Yeah. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And that's done through scripture. Yeah. Yeah. And I think... You guys have already kind of said it, but, you know, the Spirit won't contradict what He's already said in the Bible. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've said that the, the Word of God is, is what we should be looking to to hear. So as you're, as you're seeking the Lord, as you're, as you're praying, uh, is, this, is this your will, Father? You know, read God's Word. Mm-hmm. You know, Psalms 119, again, 
How can I make my way pure by guarding it according to your word Mm -hmm. so that each day I put up whatever it is that I am searching after or whatever. God, is this your will? God's word won't fail in that. And, And there's other parts to that as well. God, God puts people in your life that, that are walking in God's word, who are strong in, in their faith for you to have wise counsel with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, you know, you can, you can discern easily. Is it arrogant? Is it lustful? Is it greed? Is it divisive? Mm-hmm. You can say, Hey, that's, that's not God's word, but sometimes it's, it's not really that big, a bad thing. It's right. Is it this right. or is it that? That's and right. so that's where that leadership of godly men who are in God's word and women who are in God's word mm-hmm. who can speak truth into your life. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's so huge. That, that issue of wise counsel. Um, and it seems to me like three things that are wise to consider, um, when, when we're trying to think through something that's not obvious sin would be scripture, wise counsel and circumstances. Um, we see the Bereans, uh, in acts searching the scriptures mm-hmm. when, the apostle Paul is their preacher, yeah. Uh, but still, they're like, "Eh, we're gonna check you on this," yeah. um, because they want to know. Okay, so we, yeah, we've said we've talked about that. Wise counsel. Jeremy's talked about that, and Proverbs gives us so much insight right. on seeking wise counsel on how there's mm-hmm. safety and abundance yeah. of counselors. Um, and then, and then, thirdly, circumstances being, um, you know, like we see Paul there in Acts. Um, talking about a door being open to him, but I really think that should probably be like third yeah. in this kind of triage of things: mm-hmm. scripture, wise counsel, and circumstances. Because if we're just living our lives by open doors and closed doors, we're just a human pinball mm-hmm. bouncing around, and we're not really asking, "Okay, God, what do you want?" Because sometimes there's an open door that we're not supposed to walk through. Sometimes there's a closed door that we're supposed to knock on, mm. and we need to ask, okay, God, what do you want? Yeah, it's like, right, and a lot of times I feel like we can almost justify our bad decisions, saying, well, if God wouldn't have wanted me to do this, he would have closed this door. And I think Jonah could have given that example. Jo- Jonah could have said, well, I know God said I need to go to Nineveh, but I got in this boat. He didn't keep me from getting on the boat. Yeah, and he's letting me to go to Tarshish, so clearly this must be God's will, and we see very clearly that big consequences come from his failure yeah. to walk through a quote unquote open door. Yeah. And yeah. that's a, that's a scary place to be too. I yeah. mean, when you think through like you're just living your life, however, you know, like, well, God said I could do this. So I'm going to go ahead and go do it. You just, you, before long, you, you've hardened your heart to really listening to God's mm. word. And it's in, instead of it being God's, God's voice or God's uh, direction or God's wisdom, it really becomes just your desires and your wants. And mm. if you're not in God's word, they're not going to line up. And so yeah. you can be led astray by yourself pretty quickly and talk yourself into a lot of things that you shouldn't. So. It's a slippery, slippery slope for That's, sure. Yeah. 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 Super helpful. Third question. When and how did you know that God was calling you into vocational ministry? And I think all of us can share some of our story. I just want to throw out two things. And that is, I think with each person that senses that call into vocational ministry, Scripture gives us evidence of an internal call and an external call. Yeah. Internal call being that personal desire for such mm-hmm. uh, such a life and such a work. First um, Timothy three one says uh, that that the one who aspires to be an overseer or a pastor um, aspires a noble thing, mm-hmm. um, and so 
so that's it's okay. So that's talking about personal desire. But then right after that, verses two through seven, uh, talk about the external call, which would basically be the affirmation of godly people in your local church. Um, those next verses call the church to observe this person's life and say, hey, what do you see? Um, do you affirm that this seems to be what God would call this person to do? And and here are some qualifications to look for. And, um, and so... Uh, and I know that's talking specifically about pastors and men in that role of pastoring, but but regardless, uh, men and women called into various roles of yeah. vocational ministry, I think the two things still apply: internal call and external call. Yeah, no, I think I think that's great, and and uh, that's uh, that's what I saw in my life. Uh, I grew up a pastor's kid, and so I knew that I didn't want to be a pastor. Uh, I didn't want to follow under my dad's footsteps. I, I wanted something different because I had seen the labor of ministry. I had seen the good and the bad of ministry. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to be an engineer and make lots of money and yeah. and, and, and work be with my Mark hands. Rover. That's right. I start my own YouTube channel after working <laughs> for NASA. Uh, but then actually my senior year of high school, God started to take away that desire and start inserting a desire for God's word, for for teaching God's word and uh, at first, I didn't share that with anyone and, and, and kind of dwelt with that in my heart and through prayer. And after several months, I, I brought that to people in my life. And uh, I talked with my parents. I actually got to talk to Jeremy Johnson, who was my youth pastor at the time. This guy right uh, here. This guy right here. I uh, got to talk to Doug and Felix. And, and one after another, these people in my lives affirmed that call in, in my life. And that didn't mean that at that moment I was ready or qualified for ministry. So, matter of fact, I'm sure Jeremy could tell you a thousand stories of all my mess ups uh, through being his intern and, <laughs> and terrible moments of teaching. And we and need to do a whole podcast we probably just shouldn't. about uh, that. <laughs> of all my interns. <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> uh, but even throughout failures and learning, God just constantly kept affirming that yeah. uh, through sanctification and growing in that constant desire to, to serve Him. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I mean, baseball was everything to me. Um, guys invited me to Falls Creek, went to uh, went to Falls Creek and experienced God in a way that I'd never experienced. Um, was able to see other believers who were walking with Christ and rededicated my life that summer and then went to Super Summer the following year. But during that process of, of Falls Creek to Super Summer the following year, I followed my youth pastor everywhere he went. Hmm. Um if he asked me to move tables, I was moving tables if he needed help. And I just couldn't escape this thought of in my mind that I want to do this. Mm. Like I, I, I want to see students come to know Christ. I want to see people come to know Christ. And then at, at super summer in the middle of a room with one of the guys, Zay Newton stood up and said, Hey, somebody's given their life to the ministry. And the night before I'd done that in my room. And, um, mm. and just then through that process of, of coming to know the Lord, there was times where I was rebuked at different times by my youth pastor mm -hmm. of the stupid mm -hmm. things I was saying. And, and even in those moments where I felt down or I felt like I, I wasn't capable to do whatever it was that I was called to do, God kept reminding me that I've called you to this. Mm -hmm. And through his word and take that rebuke, take those mm -hmm. words of encouragement and nowhere along that, that way or that line did I, could I ever see myself doing anything else mm -hmm. than what, God has called me to do. Now, my role has changed. Mm -hmm. 
but that calling that Christ has placed on my life to to be a a pastor and to be someone who preaches and teaches God's word has not changed. And yeah. so, man, it's a it's a difficult thing in those moments, but also, man, it's there's great peace when you know you're doing what God's called you to do. Right, man, that's awesome. Thanks, guys. Um, I want to say a huge thanks to Jeremy for producing this podcast always. And thank you guys for listening um, wherever you are and whenever you make time for that. And we always really, really want it to be a help and even a ministry to you and, and to others. And so if it, if it is helpful, uh, maybe you want to subscribe or even rate or share the podcast with someone else and, and that could help them too. We, we would love that. Ultimately, we our hope is that it gives God a ton of glory. And please remember, until next time, that the God of the Bible is never surprised or offended by our honest questions. 